take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. One of the, one of the ways that I'm, I'm, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm such a half-ass sometimes, like, I wanted to get some wall art for my for my house, so I went and I got the poster of the uh, the dogs from Goodfellas. Oh, well, one know, of them's looking this way. And one, one of them's looking that way. And then I was like, "What do you want from me?" <laughs> so I get the poster, and I and, I, and it's still rolled. I, I haven't because I want to get it framed, and I just have mm-hmm. never, I just have never done that part of it. Hmm. You know, so what do you think just, that's about though? Hmm, it's part of me being a lazy bastard, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just sitting there, and uh, there's only there's a part rolled. of you that's not. Hmm? Go ahead. Yeah, there's a part of me that's not. It's this part right here. You what? don't want to know where I'm pointing, everybody. I, I don't even know where you're pointing. Well, there you go. That's the, <laughs> that's the beauty of having your body, Tom. It's magic, man. Um, it's a secret. Yeah. Shh. It's a good segue, buddy. Yeah, all right. <laughs> this was a great opening. It is a great opening. <laughs> we're talking about the... Um, we're doing a one a one offer. We're it's doing... the third time we've done this. Yeah. It rarely happens. A, but one, I think a one movie shot, but this is, I think, one of the one of the... It's one, one of the movies. It can be talked about a lot. Yeah. The interesting thing is, how do we talk about it in a way that hasn't been talked about before? And I think the answer to that is... We do it in Chinese. Sing <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very racist, but <laughs> is not to do too much scholarship. I mean, it's all out there. There's so much has been said about this movie, but I think it's like, sometimes it just deserves, you know, the unqualified um, observation of two middle-aged men. Perhaps. And also, I think it needs to be brought out just because, like, it... it it was a movie that redefined some things in Hollywood that, oh, that yeah. doesn't get the credit for it that it deserves. Yeah, definitely. So, so we are talking about 1969's The Wild Bunch. So this is Sam Peckinpah's like seminal work. This, this is the thing they the always point yeah. to. Right. This, this, is, this, is, this is Sam Peckinpah at his at his Peckinpah. At his Peckin Posh. Yes. His Peckin Pesk-iness. Anyway, like, like you'd see seeds of it in other earlier movies, like definitely The Getaway, like the getaway is like a, for a perfect example. It's of not like, an earlier movie, but well, it, uh, but it's a later movie, but it's go ahead. Fuck, okay, well, let him in. Well, silly me. It's not the only reason, but go ahead. Ah, oh, God damn it. Anyway. Start your sentence over. No, you, you see seeds of the. What, what's your major point, though? What my major point is, is like he never, he, he, he peaked in this movie. Like what he's so great at is best displayed in this particular movie, in The Wild Bunch. But I'm talking about the the, ba- the ballet of violence, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, just the gun to gun play. Every, like, everybody since then has ripped off Sam Peckinpah as far as, like, gun play. Like, even the concept of what we call bullet time, which is now huge in movies, oh, he yeah. basically created bullet time. And Describe bullet time. Bullet time is just slowing down the action on the screen yep. to the, to, to, you know, to, to where the bullet is... is you see the bullets hitting, like that kind of thing. It's just, it's just like this magic thing, yeah. like a guy getting hit by bullets and falling back slow in slow mo. That's yeah. the beginning of bullet time. Right I mean, there's a definitely like like now a... it's like fucking the Matrix and yeah. people, you know, people with magic powers get out of the way of bullets. But this is like you know, get out of the way of bullets. And yeah, it just and it just it makes it it's beautiful. The crafting of of uh, violence is almost I, mean, it is, I hate to say it this way, but like ballet. I mean, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. magnificent, artistic. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy artistic achievement, and and nobody had really sort of done it before. And people yeah. have done it. Nothing, you know, like John Woo, for instance, yeah. is a great artisan of uh, of you know bullet violence nowadays. But he yeah. but he he also ripped off Peck and Paw. Yeah, well, Peckinpah, so he'd done um, Ride the High Country mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. four years before, and he, I guess he was sort of, um, he was sort of, um, sorry, sent off to the sort of, sort of Siberia 
you know, of, of creativity for about four years. And he just came back full force as, um, I don't know what you'd call it. It's an independent director in, mm-hmm. in a way. Yep. You know, he'd been a great writer. Um, he'd worked on things like uh, One-Eyed Jacks and, right. and, and that type of thing. Um, but yeah, this is a film that just defines him as unafraid, yeah. completely unafraid yeah, as, right. as an artist. Like, right? like, like if, if, if he is an auteur for one movie, this is that movie. Yeah, so and it's interesting because it is a western, right? And so mm-hmm. westerns are um it, they're so one of the most difficult genres to sort of like define in any new way, right? right? So right. you have like the searchers which I think tries to do it in a way mm-hmm. or movies like Red River, but but mostly they were sort of confined to this right. box, right? right? And they were still they were still recognizably westerns. This you mm-hmm. could call other things, but Definitely. ultimately, I mean, it's 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 a, it's like an elegy. It's it's kind of like a, it's a putting to rest of like the the old west, and it literally is that, you know, the it lawless is. old west. And, and again, this is another thing that's been done time and time again since then, in other movies. But this is the one that's like putting the old west to sleep in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. and, uh, the, and by a, a band of outlaws who know that they're that this is the end of the line. That, it's the yeah, it's it's the com- I saw this film um, the last time I saw it before this was about eight years ago mm-hmm. and I saw it at the IFC in Manhattan uh-huh. so it's on the big screen right and so I had I went with this woman and then afterwards um, I said I think it's really one of the things is it's about the impotence of men uh-huh um, and I said it twice, I guess. And so she said, I feel like you read that somewhere. And I felt like saying, no, I've just been <laughs> impotent enough. I, that's where I got that no, observation from. No, I'm just an old from. enough male to <laughs> yeah. get some of these subtle well, messages going on here. My gun's not working. Because this is definitely not, this is definitely not, uh, this is, this is not a movie where females picture in it almost at all. That's interesting because, you know, uh, uh, for all the violence in this movie, mm-hmm. what disturbed this woman most was that near the end of the movie, there's a, prostitute, a Mexican prostitute who looks like she's 14. Right. Which is disturbing, of, yeah, course, of course, but it's sort of like, wow. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing, I, I went on a date, I saw Pulp Fiction with this woman. <laughs> Do you know the story? I don't remember. Go. We saw this film, and it's like I had seen it once, right. so I took her to see this film. I said, like, you're going to love this film, Pulp Fiction. Um and she was really, really disturbed by Pulp Fiction. Uh-huh. But what disturbed her was um, oh, the, the, uh, Bruce Willis yelling at his girlfriend. Right, right, Which, right. again, yeah, I mean, I get it. And especially mm-hmm. if you've had an abusive relationship. But, like, that's the thing that disturbs you? Yeah, and, right. And Pulp Fiction. Anyway, so, yeah, I think there's a gender divide here, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, definitely. It's, I think it definitely plays more towards males. But I think, but I, you know, I've met women who enjoy this movie as well. So. well because it's not just about about violence it's about like the execution and examination and dissection of violence which is what he does yeah exactly the why the 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 necessary sort of psychopathy behind being able to do it in the psychopathy indeed yeah like yeah these people are these people are psychopathy perhaps however these people are you and your mispronunciations oh shit go ahead please don't let me interrupt you (laughs) i won't okay go ahead you cunt what <laughs> 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 you mean, Kunt? <laughs> yes. Uh, what the fuck was I even talking? About? I don't know, I don't but know. I'll interrupt oh, with a salient point, and that's that this movie is um, is literary. I mean, it begins mm-hmm. with with um, the symbolism of um, oh, these kids, right? Who who found this like 
killer uh, Texas ant pile mm-hmm. and have put a couple of scorpions in the ant pile to right. be devoured live by the ants. A little, a little, a little, uh, little gladiatorial combat. And then a little straw on top of it to like... burn them all alive. <laughs> and it You're opens like, with these, this like slow humans motion. Are, humans are scum is what we're getting at here, uh, regardless it, of the time period. It's in color and then it'll stop on like a black and white yeah. etching of their smiling faces yeah. as they torment these animals, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, insects. Though and and the whole the whole like ten, first ten minutes is is using the stylistic sort of like it it um it it the confluence of like this really heavily overdrawn drum beat song yeah almost like classical They're military almost yeah with with the stylistic um sort of color to black and white mm. sort of imprint yeah and then all the things that are happening before anything happens which is a preacher on the street talking about the evils mm. of alcohol do not drink wine the temperance movement of the time period that was just starting to gain steam. women marching down the street uh-huh. for temperance movements <laughs> William Holden Ernest Borgnine, Warren Oates, Ben Johnson, this whole gang of outlaws dressed mm-hmm. uh, as military some men. Some of them dressed as military, some as civilians. They're already yeah, planted there. Fair enough to, to rob the uh, the train station. Right. Right? Yep. Um, and um, a, 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 a band of sort of like... Um, Posse. Yeah, I guess, they're, right? They're, they're, mercenaries, oh, yeah, essentially. Mercenaries hired by the trains, uh, by, the, by, the, uh, by the railroad company. To protect, or just actually no, just to bring these guys down. Yeah, they just want to kill these guys as they're coming. And they can finally get this gang. And what's happening is a temperance movement that they are unaware of is marching down the street in between. In between and, where they where they they're on the top of a building. These guys are down in the bank slash railroad station yep. over here, and the temperance parade is coming right through the middle of it. And one of the members, one of the gang members, spots these guys. Right. So they decide to use the cover. A cover of the temperance union coming around, right? Yes, right. So all of this is happening, and, and and all of these sort of like methods are being used, you know, stylistically mm-hmm. as this tension grows, and and you realize that that the people after this gang don't care anything about the public. They just want the Give gang. They don't care what kind of bloodbath is going to happen, mm-hmm. and so a bloodbath ensues. And so the first ten or fifteen minutes of this film is just all about this is mind numbing barbaric. Beautiful, beautiful barbaric violence. Absolutely. Lovingly crafted barbaric violence. Yeah, on every level, right? On the personal level Mm -hmm. with uh, Bo Hopkins. um, (laughs) Can I kill him now? Can I kill him now? And it's sort of kind of a rapey-esque sort of quality. Yeah. Um, You know, the the opening line, I think, from um, William Holden. If they move... Kill, Kill him. him. The last sort of thing. So this, this, so that's how it starts, and it, it establishes so much about the film, and it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't maintain that pace because it can't. There's no, no way it can no maintain way. the intensity no of the first way. few minutes, mm-hmm. but it is masterful, and then it becomes the storytelling. Which yeah. is like, you know, they, of course, get away. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Some of them don't. But the, the, our main characters, yeah, right? Before right. I mentioned, get away. And you have Robert Ryan on the other side, who was once part of the gang. Right. Who's been in prison. And part of his sort of way of getting out of prison is to agree to help track down his old gang. And he's, he's nominally the leader of this, of this, <laughs> this pile of scumbags. Boobs. <laughs> including LQ <laughs> Jones. That, and that just, they're, Yeah, they're boobs and scum at the same oh, time. Oh, I mean, they shoot women and like, I think she's got... Got a gold tooth, you know, like just like, yeah. They're running, they're running through this massacre in the middle of this town, like pulling off people's yeah. boots and trying them on. And Robert Ryan would much rather be with his old gang, but it's about so 
the, the first two sort of themes that come up are like survival and loyalty, right? Yes. Like what happens, what do you have to do to survive, especially not only in the situation we're given between Robert Ryan and like William Holden's, his old gang, right. but also like with a backdrop of everyone trying to survive as men of action well, and, 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 and rugged individuality in men. a world that doesn't want it anymore. Right. Well, well, as men. As men even in this sense. Mm. Because, mm, because the gang, they come across, they are, you know, they are this paragon of sort of manliness in the old sense of the word. Yeah. And Robert Ryan, that's that's what he identifies with, right? Not this pile of chicken shit that he's running around with, yeah. And so, so that, so that, so he's eternally conflicted in that way. But as right? a director, there's an honor going on in this one side, and that that is non-existent in the side that's trying to catch them. And it's, but and it's, it's, but it's internal too, right? And mm -hmm. it's, it's also rife with humor, right? So some of the conflict happens within the gang. They get away, and it's sort of like. Um, you know who's going to be the leader of this gang? Is is Holden the leader of this gang or not? And like so, at one point he tries to mount his horse and he sort of falls off, and it's clear that he's in pain. He's getting yeah, older. Yeah. And you know Ben Johnson and Warren Oates are like, look, man. yeah, this is our leader, huh? Is he still a man? You sure you want to lead, old man? Right. Or like one of one of the members is shot in the face. And so um, he falls off his horse, and he doesn't get through the sentence, please finish me off, before they just blast him yeah. away. Mm -hmm. As an act of mercy, I suppose, right? Well, an act of mercy and an act of just, that's what needed to happen. I mean, this guy was, he wasn't going to live. So, so, so Warren Oates basically says, you know, me and my brother Tector here think that we should have a proper burial. And, and a Warren, couple of hymns would be in order. Yeah, Ernest Borgnine goes into this whole sort of like, yeah, we'll have a church supper and a choir. And it's sort of like, you know, <laughs> Like who's? It's not just. A, it's bomb. not just a pissing match. I just mm -hmm. want to clarify. Anyone who hasn't seen this film, it's not because it would be not very interesting to people who had not seen the film, or maybe women who are listening to this podcast right now. Like that, it's just about a bunch of John Waynes pulling their dicks out. It mm -hmm. really is about what happens when you're in a structure where you're in the hierarchy of power, even as an outlaw, right. and and the times and the landscape and mm -hmm. technology, right. by the way, like machine guns and right. automobiles and all are this just stuff. Are just coming in, right? And it, it interferes with this world that you think you've got going here. Right. How do you confront it? How do you fall? Do you fall with honor? Do you mm -hmm. go out guns blazing? Do you adapt to it to survive? Right. Are you going to have to be disloyal to people? Mm -hmm. Sorry. And inside of the gang, that's, as you're pointing out, but it's also a male power structure. It's definitely, this is, this is these are a bunch of sort of alphas yep. and they're all, and they all, they, they work themselves out basically through through this conflict between them, oh, yeah. like the push back there's the push and pull of their of their of I know, me and Tector are going to take over basically, yep. and there's this and there's this push pull and, and who sports what and all like that. It's, it's kind of cool. Like dynamics of inside of the gang yeah. are really kind of fantastic. Yeah, and it's also it's generational too, right? Because it's like you've got. Um, well, I mean, it's like, I think Edmund four generations. Edmund, Edmund O'Brien is a uh, crazy old fuck. You've never seen Edmund O'Brien like this. Walter Houston, for sure. Yeah, he, I mean, he had to have watched Treasure of the Sierra Madre before. A hundred percent. And he's a great, it's his, oh. it's his acting coup, uh, right? I mean, as, this is, Edmund O'Brien's never been this good in a yeah, film, right? No, no. He's never been this good an actor ever. And he's, he's, the, he's the crazy, crazy old man who's done his share of killing, right? Yeah. Even though now he does his killing with a coffee cup. <laughs> but, but he's, you know, he's that one, one generation that, right. that William Holden and Ernest Borgnine respect as the, sort of like the founder of this gang, even though they're now the, the, the sort of oh, generation yeah. that's in charge, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you have a generation below them represented by Warren Oates and, and Ben Johnson mm -hmm. who really don't think much of usurping like it's our turn old men get out of the way mm -hmm. then you have the sort of the Mexican um, guy I forget his name his name's Angel the character yeah. in the film who's the fourth generation who's weirdly more loyal 
to the right. second and, and first generation than right. the third generation is. Right. Why? Because he's the outcast from the third generation. Right. He's not respected because he's not white. Right. And he's, he's young. He's and younger he's young. Than them, so yeah. And so in a weird way, he's the greatest ally that older generations had because right. he, like them, is willing to make his bones, not because it's my turn, but because I'm going to force my way with mm-hmm. gunplay and violence right. and the rest of this stuff. I'm going right? to earn this shit. Yeah, so all of this stuff happens. They rob the bank, and they there's a great sort of scene that plays out when they open the bags and realize that um, they've been set up. <laughs> that there's not gold in the bags at right, all, but they washers. Knew they were going to come in. Yeah, they took the yeah took the gold out, put in a bunch of like steel washers. And it's there's, I mean, I hate to say this, it sounds over the top, but the movie has Shakespearean quality sometimes. In that every ten minutes, you can expect a really great speech. Yeah, with imbued with like violence and humor. Yeah. And like, you know, what what do we do? How do we move on? How do we move past this sort of thing that's happening, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and then, and of course, that because, you know, even though... They're the, constantly moving. They're like a shark in water. Constantly like this thing, they have to keep forward. moving. To, they, they have to keep moving, because otherwise they'll die. Yeah. Yeah. So they're always coming coming up with a new plan, a new plot. Let's... How do we get away from these punks? They're being chased, of course, by the by the we'll call them a posse, a posse of boobs, but with <laughs> one able man, which is their old partner Robert Ryan, which right. is the only reason that that group comes close <laughs> to ever capturing them is Robert Ryan, right? <laughs> right, of course. So I mean, so I just want to stop here, and we can talk about more plot elements, but it's it's worth noting that um, I want to go back to some of the stuff we talked about initially, which is like the intensity mm. of of the stylistic moves. Um, slows because you can't keep that pace up but it's replaced by now like sprawling movie making Mm -hmm. it becomes sort of epic and I I mean epic in a David Lean sense like through the camera's lens visually epic right as we go along as they cross Mm -hmm. over into Mexico from Texas um, we get um, sort of also now a new meeting which is not between generations or good and bad or boobs and able-bodied men mm-hmm. or impotent versus or loyalty all those things now move on to this separate thing which is culture culture right two cultures two cultures that are changing radically yep. at the time big time one violently Mexico Mexico's heaven is, is having a rough so time it's like the poncho view of the, the, the exactly. mapache Huerta. yeah um, has it's mapache right Mapache is the yeah he's he's, he is the, gen, he's the the local warlord generalissimo right so yeah and he is and I think he works for Huerta he's okay so Huerta so he's army. come along and he's just sort of ravaged the villages from or the village from which the young angel from this bunch has has originally come from right so it's like two things happen like Angel returns to find that his girlfriend hasn't been kidnapped but went willingly at a la Helen of Troy well he wants to think she was kidnapped and then right. the, the, the town That's el- true. the town the town old wise dude is has having no. none of that shit. Mm. No, she's a whore. Mm, no. so. so there's that, and then there's a sort of like, um, you know, which I mean, it doesn't say this, but it's like, you know, the marginalization, right? So it's like, um, you come to this village, you, you're coming with like guns and, you know, all that is American, and you're coming into this village, and no American group would accept these, you know, dirty Mexicans, mm-hmm. except the outlaw group. Which right. has that in common with them, like right. yeah, we're thought of as like dirty people too, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so, and to, and to come to turn out that this village full of like um, honorable men are maybe just the same as this group, like trying to like they're not honorable because they have to sort of make their way in well, the world against the Mapaches. Exactly, because both of these have been both of these these groups have been pushed to where they are 
by other people, by, by more powerful people, essentially. Right. You know? so, so, now, so now the conflict becomes sort of like, it's not a conflict with a resolution in mind, it's like a push-pull, right? The, yeah. This gang is, is trying to escape the gang that's crossing the border after them, mm-hmm. but they're coming toward a new sort of conflict, which is like, what do we, we come across people who are like us, yeah. right? Who, who sort of have to fight and in, in, you know, scrap in the world to get along, mm-hmm. Um, but we're coming up against their oppressors, right. which is a sort of like their, their the, oppressors the have the gold, and, and their, their their oppressors have the gold, and they're going to hire the gang yeah. to do a job for them. Yeah. And they're and, and the conflict is right wait, there. Wait, wait, wait. Slow, slow down, because I don't think what you just said is really important. But I don't think that that people would have gotten that. So the they that is hiring. Our wild bunch. Oh, this local uh, Mapache, the local is, warlord. Is the warlord, right? Right, he wants guns because his, his troops are like half armed with brooms and shit. But that warlord has done dirt to Angel's village. Right. So there's a real conflict because of course we have to take this job from the warlord. Because, because one of the things we are about is making money doing this shit. Right. And then there's the conflict of who they identify with, which is back to the village. They identify with, with the underdog. Yeah, of course. Who's been fucked over by this guy, as they right. have been. So now that it moves into this whole other thing, which is like the sort of the compound fortress of the warlord. Right. right? And then, one of the, now, I, I, I saw the extended cut version of this uh-huh. movie, yeah. and they show like... Uh, he, this this guy is a Mapache going up against like Pancho Villa's troops and getting yeah. their asses handed to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that that is also in there is like, this is the oppressor of the area, and he's kind of a cartoonish, shitty villain. Right. He's just he, there's a, there's like a cartoonish quality to his his like his, his viciousness is childish. Oh, he's a, he's a chi- he's a man baby for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Because he's Caligula, he's and also in another yeah, way, right? Yeah, he's fucking Angel's old lady too. There's that, and then also like, and I think there's some historical accuracy ish here in the sense that like there's cooperation by expat Germans, right? Yes, that's true. Yeah. Local expat Germans, so that's how they're getting sort of like um, knowledge of new technologies, mm-hmm. you know, machine guns, and and there's a conversation about. Um, mm-hmm. The old man went to the World's Fair and saw one of these, a car, but it could fly. It's like, old oh, man, that Shut was up. a balloon. It's like, no, he's right. They can fly in cars. And, you know, and then, and right. Airplanes were just happening yeah. at this time. Well, that's, I mean, the, right. And that's, I mean, cool. that's the technology that's catching up with them. I mean, side, Air- side note, as far as I'm, I know, in World War I, airplanes were first used not for bombing, or machine guns, but for aerial photography, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, reconnaissance, yeah. Whatever. I mean, that's just we how need we need some pretty pictures of the other side. You're, of I probably, yeah. Sorry, I misspoke. <laughs> no, 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 but yeah. but the idea was, was that like that's pretty advanced thinking. It's reconnaissance, yeah, of course. Right? And that makes that makes being an outlaw in the situation where airplanes are coming into the scene, yeah. an impossibility at some yeah. point. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you can't just you can't force your way with a gun. This fucking thing anymore. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, you can always be under observation. Of course, later on in World War One, then they, they start getting other roles and dropping mm. bombs and things like that. You're that. listening to two nerds mm. in a room. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, we have a room. Anyways. So, so it's all. So now it's like. I mean, this film is. I, you know, the director's cut. I think comes up on two and a half hours, it's and it's so got long. a lot of layers to it, right? Yeah. But it's like you know. And meanwhile, Robert Ryan. Is who's chasing this, you know, leading this band of boobery to, to chase uh, the wild bunch. Struther Martin. Every is time. Brilliant. That's one of the scumbags. <laughs> He's right. so fucking good. And LQ good. Jones. Um, uh, not Struther Martin. Is it Struther Martin? Yeah. It's LQ Jones. Or the two different people. The, the, the two guys. The, the two, the two guys. main okay. scumbags. Yeah, 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 and one yeah, yeah. of them is. Sorry. Well, okay. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, an, it's, I forgot what I was going with that. Go ahead. No, I don't know. It's just you can't do better than a scumbag than Strother Martin and this LQ Jones guy. They're just—they're wonderful. Yeah, they're like—they're again—they're almost cartoonish in a sense. They're—they're—they're they're, they're just—they're plum, 
just shittiness as human beings. So in order to in order to um, fulfill their contract with this Mapache character, they're going to have to over the U.S. Army, a U.S. Army on a train, mm-hmm. right? And they have the side idea that they're going to have um, keep one case and give it to Angel's Village and just say they lost it, right? Right, right. Um, and and so now we have this other conflict, which is um, Mapache's gang decides to, to sort of take Angel and just torture him to death because right. they figured they out. out because the. Because uh, when they first meet uh, the Generalissimo, yeah. uh, Angel kills his old girlfriend as she's sitting in the general's lap. So, so then this other thing comes so up. There's a crazy tension. They don't like Angel. And in within this the script. within the gang, it comes up between Ernest Borgnine and, and William Holden. This other conversation about loyalty, and it's like you know, William Holden says, "Hey, we gave our word to fulfill this contract," and, and Ernest Borgnine says, "It's not the word you give; it's who you give the word to right. that matters in the end. Like you get to navigate that mm-hmm. uh, based on your own." beliefs or even the group beliefs right right and and it's a real question and so now we have a film that ends with an even more intense with, ballet of violence <laughs> i mean it's the the two act, yeah. major acts of violence that that sort of book and book and incredible yeah yeah incredible incredibly done yeah uh incredibly incredibly gruesome and graphic yeah. and balletic uh balletic that is so not a word i don't think what did you mean by balletic sir? ballet ballet like I'm going to say balletic is fine. I like it. Anyway, it's, it's, it's a balletic violence second on. So fucking beautifully done. It's yeah. a, Sam Peckinpah never did it. If, if he only did this movie, yeah. he would be a, a Hollywood great. Well, Just I mean, for I, that. I hear all this all this sort of um, talk. Well, I mean, about... <laughs> As I'm walking down the street, people, people are, are talking about saying these Sam, things. Sam Peckinpah this, <laughs> Sam Peckinpah that. No, I mean, one of the things I hear, I've heard this more from women, but, but you know, and it's about the idea of violence in films. So it comes up with Tarantino sometimes. Like I have a, one of my sisters um, doesn't like like things like Pulp Fiction or Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. but she loves Kill Bill. And her sort of justification is, and it's interesting, is that Kill Bill, the, the, the violence is something that wouldn't really happen. Right. Right? I mean, the, the, and it would. There is no violence that actually happens the way it happens in Kill Bill. It's or any, really, almost any movie, actually, if you really want to squint at it. And so then violence is acceptable if it's something that couldn't happen in the real world. Hmm. And I initially sort of dismissed this. But, um, you know, it's not, it's not a bad point. Even the violence here is violence that doesn't happen in the real world. Yeah, right? the final scene would not have, <laughs> couldn't possibly have happened like that. Or at least it doesn't sort of, it, th- there's no sort of um, lexicon of violence for it. And by that I mean this. When you're in a car accident, a, a, a particularly bad one, everyone knows that the, the car accident happens in slow motion for you in the car. Right. It right. doesn't happen if you're witnessing it from the highway, but it happens for you in that moment. It's something about the way the brain works, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so what Peckinpah does is I think he navigates the, violent, the world of violence between how it actually happens but how it, versus how it appears to the rest of us. Right. Meaning those two sort of crazy sort of ballets... What'd you call them? Ballaritos of, of <laughs> violence that happened at the Burrito beginning. <laughs> and at the end are not how violence would occur, but maybe yes, it's right. how violence would occur if you were in it. Right. Yeah. Which is which is kind of a brilliant another brilliant move on Peck and Paw's part. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean You know another movie that really ripped it uh, really ripped it off was um Saving Private Ryan. 
that mm. famous that famous like uh, opening scene in yep. Saving Private Ryan with all that violence going on yeah. wouldn't have happened without Peckham without this. I don't think this might be a good place to sandwich in a, a sort of associated um, observation, which is this: that you and I did an episode on John Huston's war films for the oh. Patreon only side. Mm-hmm. Not and and you know we did uh, we looked at report from the Aleutians, we looked at Let There Be Light, but the one in the middle from '44, San Pietro, the yeah. Battle of San Pietro, right. Um, we did not know at the time something I found out later, and you can find this out if you look at uh, Five Came Back, which is available on Netflix, was that um, John Huston faked, faked all, of, all of San Pietro, the yeah. battle scenes, everything. Rather, which, rather wonderfully, too. He did a well, great job. Well, the reason I mention this is I, I sort of, a lot of people not knowing that mm-hmm. gave San Pietro and John Huston credit for having influenced um, Saving Private Ryan, which he may have accidentally done anyway. Right. But I would say if you want a more honest um, influence, you're right. Your observation's a good one. Mark that down, people. Oh my That's God. two this year. Joe's, Joe's having a stroke, everybody. <laughs> well, I'm having a violent moment I, right now I, listen, myself. Here's another thing I want to say about this movie. And this is just more like you advice. You want to say this about that. Advice. Uh, what? Sonic it's my God. Nixon. Just, a, just gargle my balls. Anyways, the if you're gonna, it's just, that's, that's one of them. Get to the other. Um, no, if, uh, if this is actually just an advice from from a viewing standpoint. Yep. Uh, watch this in, uh, watch this at home yep. on TV. In Letterboxd. And then do yourself a favor and watch it on a big screen. Yeah. This movie pays off on a big screen. You've seen it on the big screen big too. Boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's it's almost my it's it's oh, the violence at the beginning and the end those are almost mind numbing. This sort of they're takes me back. It's huge. This it's takes me back oh. to the, an interesting observation because the first many times I saw this was this is Finley number one the, the original Finley oh. was at your dad's house. Yep. He had it on a on a VHS tape for some reason with Bridges of Toko Re, which also has William Holden, William but Holden. it's many years earlier. But he got it from a late night KPIX San Francisco station. Mm-hmm. It was massively censored. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was they, not even the they same film. The shit out but of that's movie. how good the film is. Even the shitty late night version of the Wild Bunch yeah. is holds your attention. Yeah, yeah, it, it is great. It's, a, it's an excellent movie. But yeah, if you can catch, you know, if you catch it in the uh, in the cinema, if you will, uh, the on a big cinema. Tommy, I can't. I can't. I just can't. It's been cut. I'm going to leave now. I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to go find a leafy elm to swing from. <gasps> oh, poor leafy elm. Oh, you fuck. <laughs> Anyways, uh, no, this is such a great movie. I cannot. This is yeah, a top 10 movie of all time in your in your head. Like, is, is this one of the movies you take to a desert island? I don't know if it is, but I will say this. Anyone who puts it on the top 10, I have no argument yeah, with it. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, no question, top 10 or five westerns. Oh, absolutely. No, no question about that. A seminal, you know, pioneering filmmaking. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because I mean, no question, we're going to do mo- it. It's, there's movies that there's movies that there's movies before, and then there's movies after. It's that definitely one a footprint and, in, yeah. in cinematic history. Ooh, Thank footprint, you. I like that. Well, I f- footprint, as you might say, but um, it also. <laughs> <laughs> we're going that. Could you have that stroke now, please? At some point, I'm stroking it right now, buddy. At some point, Sam Peckinpah is going to be get his own episode here, and it's like well, Sam Peckinpah episode without the Wild Bunch. It's because this film actually deserves its own yeah, episode, right? Yeah, we'll yeah. do some crazy sort of couple of Stan, Sam Peckinpah mm-hmm. or Peckinpah um, films um, in a future the joke episode. Joke is getting old, Joe. Well, just like you. 
Okay. I can't wait. All right. All right. Um, I, so I, admit I might have stretched that joke out a few too many times. A little bit. Yeah. You I apologize. The but joke's butthole out a little bit. There. Sorry, everyone. No worries. Um, well, worries later. But anyways, uh, fuck. It's the it's the Wild Bunch. It's one of it's one of the greatest movies. It's one of those movies. It's just it's a fabulous movie. Please go watch it. As I said, on the little, and then go watch it on the big screen. Do yourself that favor. You know what, um, Tom? Do you have uh, anything you like to promote? In terms of a personal website, I thought I, I do. I do. Yeah, TomSmithComedy.com. Come check it out there. All right, baby. Okay. Catch you later. Bye bye.